Welcome to the Vitality Coach Podcast with the Mojo Maker and host Nikki Fogden Moore, the Vitality Expert, dedicated to helping you be the CEO of your business and your life with special industry and life-leading guests, top tips on how you can create that magical blend of healthy, wealthy, and wise for CEOs, entrepreneurs, founders, and people who do things with life. Hi guys, welcome back to the Mojo Maker Show. I'm Nikki Fogdenmore, your host. I have been coaching and mentoring high performance individuals now for many, many years, far too many to mention. I'm always intrigued to have the most fabulous guests on my show. And as I've evolved in my grounding education for quantum leadership, I really like to seek out the best in the business. So it's a sincere pleasure to have one of my own dream team the numbers from one of my own little expert black books here, Pamela Panifex from, I think it's Sunshine Holistic Counseling. Correct. You know? And I think that's beautiful. I just want to give you a little intro, Pamela. Three decades in practice developing your approach. She has a master's degree, qualified psychotherapist with a specialist expertise in both relationship and marriage counseling and individual therapy. Pamela has truly created a unique practice, one that I think she should be very proud of on a global level and a background as a fully qualified naturopath. I think the empathy and understanding of the human system, chemical reactions and how our health and well-being are intricately related to our mindset is one of the greatest assets that you have as a counselor and a mentor. That means couples, individual, family and co-parenting topics are at the top of your list for the work that you do. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Pamela. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Nikki, and it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you. And one of the great things we're going to talk about, so we've got a lot to talk about. So we've decided to, I guess, split things into a couple of chats, correct? Mm -hmm. And today's session is a very important one. And I think a grounding observation is the three styles of communication. And we got onto this topic because I was talking to you about how we often approach our communications from polar opposites without realizing that we have to remove a sense of ego and old habits and learn and be curious about what ideal communication looks like. And there's a lot of misinterpretation out there. So let's just talk a little bit from your point of view around what those three styles of communication are and why we think on the show today that especially men and those in partnerships and work as much as personal can really do with this insight and to lead this discussion with curiosity. Beautiful, beautiful lead-in. So there are three styles of communication, broadly speaking, that I think we all need to be aware of. So the first two I want to introduce because it's these first two that if we use these as our default in our relationship, we will get into trouble. They are not relationship building styles of communication. So let's just have a really quick look at these first two. They have their time and their place in life. But as I say, if we routinely use them, I can see I've seen many, many, many times how that leads to real problems in relationships. So the first of these comes from a really good place. The intention is lovely. It's about deferring to my partner. 
It's about I lose, you win. And the name of this communication style, quite appropriately, is passive. And can we, do you know, before then, when you talk about partners or relationships, this could be any situation, couldn't it? It could be a work partnership. It could be a personal partnership. All communication skills apply across all domains. Depending on our circumstance at the time and depending on our goals in communication, obviously with an intimate partner, our goals will be different with a boss or a colleague or whatnot. But the underlying information and the underlying pros and cons are, are definitely similar across the board. So yes. So that deferment, that submissive, that kind of, it's almost like, you know, when that starts from an early age where you feel that you don't really have a voice. So you're like, okay, well, if I just hand it over and someone else makes a decision, then almost mm. like you're absolving responsibility because the other person's in charge. Well, yeah. And that speaks to why we do anything. We do anything, even the most counterproductive behaviors, including passive communication. We do them because they serve us in one way or another, right? Humans are not silly. And humans are not going into relationships deliberately trying to communicate in counterproductive ways, right? So, you know, this really leads to the question, where do we learn any of our behaviours? Where do we learn a passive communication style? And from my observation, I would say it's a big mix, like a big soup with a whole stack of ingredients. Like you say, some come from family of origin, how we were disciplined, how, what was expected of us, how we were taught to communicate within our family. Then, of course, there's modelling within the family of origin. How did my parents communicate? How did they deal with conflict when things got tough? Did one just keep the peace and say, yes, dear? Did the other rant and rave and say, you know, it's my way or the highway? These are communication styles that, you know, like blue eyes or brown hair get passed down from one generation to the other. And then, of course, there's other variables like my life experiences and, and, you know, my own temperament and my own personality. So all of these variables feed into the way we behave in relationships across the board. And let's just pause for a second before you go on to point two of communication. I love this word conflict. You know, certainly in corporates or in relationships where people get to a certain point where they just they say they can't stand it anymore, but they've allowed and allowed and allowed until there's a point where there's just, you know, something breaks. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, you know, passive has been in the eve of trying to keep the peace, right? To avoid the conflict, to avoid the discussion. So what we want to do today with today's podcast is actually say we want to introduce one or two of the originating uh, default positions. We want to give you the third option of communication, which is, you know, we've got passive, aggressive and assertive. So the first thing that, that you're referring to here and is the word conflict. So when we talk about communication, most people do language and communication practice and study to fix something. But what you and I want to do is say, why not get educated and start with your kids and start with your colleagues and start with yourself now and think it's whatever got you to this point, it doesn't matter. Don't beat yourself up. Don't judge yourself. Don't be harsh on yourself. It's a continuous evolution. We just want you to recognize when Pamela is saying things, oh, I might've been doing that as a pattern and that's okay. Absolutely. I mean, all of us, all of us are imperfect humans and by far the majority of couples I have ever worked with, and there would be thousands now, by far the majority, I could think, I could name on one hand 
the partners who I've met who are not trying their best to make a relationship work. So these are rookie errors. We do them because perhaps they're they're well-intentioned. I'm trying to keep the peace. I'm trying to avoid conflict. But the point is, how do they work for me? How are they helping me build a relationship that really works? And and would you say as well, people know when they're out of alignment, but why do you feel, we know that people push their feelings down and push the need to be assertive down because they're afraid of that retribution, that anger, that whatever it is being put down. And that is a childhood wound or a teacher wound or something that might've been inherited. So you know, when you're out of alignment, because you can feel it, it doesn't feel good. You know, we spoke before, just before we started recording, I said, when you come from a place of truth, it's so peaceful. Yeah, when you when you come from a place of being empowered with your communication, then no matter what is going down, what havoc is happening all around you, even no matter how strongly your emotions are pulling you this way and that, you can learn to stay grounded and speak your truth. Do you feel that usually like a battery, you've got your passive communication style and let me say, you know, we've had this big discussion, most of my clients are men and I find they, they've lost their voice because they mm. just think, you know, they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. And then they end up with an assertive partner or an aggressive partner, sorry, that, is, that looks for that. So those triggers exist. Could you just give a couple of, just run off some bullet points of examples of triggers that people can identify with and go, you know, that really, that's what I feel like. This, this triggers me too. You know, when people say, I'd like to go out with my friends or could I do this, that, and the other, and they're actually too afraid to even ask for their own needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what would trigger them to go into a passive communication style, you mean? Yeah. Fear. What if I'm not liked? What if this causes more drama? What if this requires me to come up with solutions to our problems that I don't have? This speaks to one of the rookie errors in terms of why people get stuck in that passive style, because they assume incorrectly that speaking up with honesty and assertiveness, call it whatever you will, I like to call it proactive speaking up, that that assertive style, requires them to already know all the answers. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And that is a real rookie error because, of course, if I stay quiet, if I just shut my mouth and let my partner rant and rave and I don't kind of step in, until I think that I've got something really clever or really, you know, game-changing to offer, then more often than not what I will do is I will create more tension with my partner who's trying to get a piece of me, trying to engage with me, and if I go missing, now we're in further in the loop. The more I go missing, the more she will pursue me. So first understanding that being assertive or proactive with our communication doesn't mean we have to know the answer yet. It might literally be, hey, partner, I've got a million thoughts going around in my head. I'm feeling completely confused. I know what I want, which is for us to have a good relationship and work our way through this problem. But right now, all I need is just to let you know that that's what's going on inside me. Now, I can't tell you how many times in session in this office I've been involved in a dialogue between a couple, not always, but let's stereotype and say it's often the woman who's feeling like her partner's going missing and he's shutting down when they've got conflict. 
and she will cry or laugh or exclaim some way to say, oh my gosh, that would be so much better. I don't need him to tell me all the answers. I just need him to step in and turn up and whatever data is going on inside him, his thoughts, his feelings, what he wants, what he needs, if he could just share them with me, then I would feel connected. I know we're on on a limited time here, but there's one more point I want to loop back to because it's really important. Oh, no, take your time. This This is important. This is a really important point, which is I really encourage all my clients to do a real mental reframe. A lot of people, when they hear the word conflict, when they are triggered in their relationship because work or some, personal, work or, or work, work or personal, that with yep, absolutely. When there is conflict in the air, a lot of people assume that that is a bad thing. Well, I think by nature, conflict has had that connotation with it, and this is what I want to just drop the pin with us because you and I, you know, we could go. Is it if you're listening to this and you are going through figuring out your new business relationships or please take this and put yourself in a conversation in a boardroom or in a conversation with Mm -hmm. anything that is an imperative, important, vital, interpersonal relationship with you, romantic or otherwise requires you to understand where you're coming from and that you do not need to have all the answers. And that is a myth and it's not been enough or always being told that you had to have it perfect puts a a barrier up between I don't know what to do I'm confused what should we do together so that conflict is a very dangerous word I totally agree Mm. let's even not call it conflict let's just call it different opinions even if I'm in a boardroom meeting and I'm aware that I've got a different point of view to what someone else is raising and I'm not sure whether I should just keep quiet or not I mean, obviously, that needs to be judged based on the the meeting and on goals. But I need to reframe that opportunity because it's an opportunity. It is an opportunity for us to build a bridge between ourselves and learn more about each other and learn how to collaborate, learn how to build that muscle memory of how to deal with these differences in a positive way. It is always generative. And if I come to the premature conclusion that speaking up is bad news, I need to be very mindful that every time I take that move, I am missing an opportunity to develop a closer relationship with you every time. Now, sometimes that might be a wise move, but I need to understand that every time I choose passive, there is an opportunity cost. Now, the second one, if we can just go quickly to the second one, we won't need to spend too much time on this one because it's easier to explain. And this is aggressive. And of course, as at its worst manifestation, aggressive communication would be domestic or or other violence. Now, obviously, we're not talking about that in this context. Well, I, I definitely think, you know, Pamela, we need to raise the issue that domestic violence is both emotional and physical. And just because you don't have physical scars does not. And I think this is actually why we're doing this show is that a lot of people think I can't change the situation I'm in. But if you start understanding your side of the street and recognize the signs, I think it is highly relevant to bring this up. Yep, great, great. The really easy way to distinguish between being passive or being aggressive is the former. Passive is I lose, you win. 
And then if I move into aggressive, it's flipped. It's I win, you lose. If I go into aggressive, it's now, right, I've held my peace for long enough. Now you can have a piece of what, what's on my mind. You know, I am now prioritising my agenda, my needs over yours. And this, of course, could span a continuum where we're violent as at one end. But even, even a well-delivered, polite, calm communication where essentially I am saying, hey, partner or hey, colleague, suck it up. It's my way or the highway. You know, I'm right. I would argue is still aggressive. So I don't be fooled. It doesn't have to look scary and loud. It's yeah. more... Get just get. I would suggest people just get really good at checking in with that energy. It's more an energetic thing, either being passive or being aggressive. And once we catch ourselves when we're defaulting to one of those two options, and, and people often flip from one to the other, of course. But if we can catch ourselves, if we can get really good at what tells we have, what happens in my thoughts when I'm about to be passive or aggressive? What happens in my body? What is my felt sense? Do I get an energy in my chest or a tightness in my jaw or whatever it will be? It's unique for each of us, but all of us, of course, do have tells and getting really good at catching ourselves when we are going into these two communication styles gives us an opportunity to check, hang on, is this going to meet my needs? And more often than not, it will be no. And I think the other thing when we talk about practicing these new things, when we move on to the third part of communication is that we're often not aware till we do a journey of self-discovery that our subconscious, the self-talk, our ego, the black wolf, the controlling factor runs the show. And it's not until you make that shift to go, what is, what is, you know, it's called category A decisions. What is good for me good for the other person, good for the greater group. Because I think those category A decisions, you know, allow you to detach. At a certain point, we are saying while you're listening to the show, you cannot control how anyone else responds. And both passive and aggressive are actually tools to try and manipulate controlling how someone else responds. And when you let go of surrendering another person to react a certain way, and you can learn to just be in your truth and be calm, then you are removing ego because you're not requiring an outcome. You're not selling something in. You're not ping-ponging between parent and child, positive, negative. So people get a consistent approach. So when you start this, whether it's business or let's take it relationships, because I know a lot of people are feeling really hamstrung by, they understand it, Pamela. They know the passive aggressive. They understand they both flip between it because that's, that's the mm -hmm. gaslighting right? So when someone blows the end of the balloon up, the other person does it back. So, okay, people recognize that and they say, well, I really want to learn how to be more assertive or be more calm and in my truth. What is the transition from passive or aggressive to assertive as the third rule of communication? Mm, beautiful question. Well, in short, it's really turning up. It's understanding that if I'm in a relationship with you, whether it's an intimate relationship or a workplace relationship, the aim is to show up. And if you think about it, either the passive or the aggressive strategy is a way of not showing up. And, and I spend a lot of time coaching my clients that if they want to be relational, they have number one, the stepping stone is 
just learning to show up. And no. and it's showing up is we spoke about that before. It's being attuned to the recipient and allowing space, right? Because when you come without ego, I've got this expression: think like a CEO, plan like a visionary, act like a Buddha. I use it in all my coaching, oh. and that is when you're coming from a sense of your own sovereign self. You're not needing to push anything onto anyone, so you can allow space because there's a mutual agreement to want to make things work. Mm, I love that. Being attuned to the other is definitely super important. But I would even put something before that. I would say the the prerequisite for showing up is self-awareness. There you go. How can I show up if I don't know what I think about this issue or that issue? Right? And this is why this third style of communication that we're now talking about, which in the industry is called assertive, I like to call it proactive, whatever. This is why this is the only style of communication that facilitates growth in two domains, actually, personal growth and, of course, relational growth in a way that passive and aggressive never will. Mm -hmm. Why? Because if I'm passive or aggressive, I am not requiring myself to be self-aware. I don't need to be self-aware because I'm essentially not showing up. I'm either ducking or weaving by retreating or by just coming on the front foot and kind of, you know, steamrolling my way over you. So step number one is self-awareness. And it's chicken and egg, right? Because how can I be really good at assertive communication if I'm not all that good at self-awareness? Well, the more, yeah, the more, the more. Yeah. And let's just say a little bit about, I always talk about taking a leap of faith. So most people hang on to the walls of discomfort they know and they cling on to it and then they feel if they let go, they'll fall or fly. So you have to trust in the process. And I know it's a big ask. I know that maybe you have had these patterns for, if you're listening to this, maybe 20, 30 years or more, or, and it's okay. You just have to be curious and recognize that fear feeling because what fear does is our ego wants to keep us stuck between the walls of familiar. Even if those familiar walls are uncomfortable. That's why a lot of people stay in, you know, in relationships that are violent or emotionally submissive or unhealthy, let's put it that way, is because at least they know that. So what we do is we get trauma bonds. We bond with the trauma and it becomes a familiar landscape. Mm -hmm. So when you do decide to learn to become in your truest self and you gradually want to make these communication changes, You have to practice it with your own grace and humility on your own because chances are the other person, unless you're in couples counseling or you go to a business coach or whatever it is for your partnership, you probably will be having to own your own side of the street first, which can be very daunting because you don't know the path ahead. Absolutely. The good news about assertive communication is that irrespective of whether we actually resolve issue X or Y, we're we're definitely going to have more chance that we will. But even if we don't, the good news is that we will develop and thicken not only our own respective personal relationship with ourself, our self-awareness, but of course also we will develop and thicken the relationship between us. The bad news about assertive communication is that I could show up impeccably and communicate my data, 
my awareness around our issue and it will never guarantee how you will receive it and that's just called relationships yeah so turning up doing that work to be self-aware enough to know where I am to be able to reach inside myself and gather the data that I need to put this is the way I visualize it. it's like if you and I are needing to discuss an issue there is a space between us now, my job, my obligation in relationship with you is to reach inside myself, to gather the data that is pertinent to that issue and to offer it into the space between you and me. And then secondly, of course, to allow you space to do the same. Then and only then can the two of us kind of look at what data is on the table, chew the fat a bit and try to sift our way through it. Now, that data, this is normally the next question. What data? What the hell does that even mean? What am I reaching inside myself to find? I don't understand. Yeah. Now, when I talk about that data, I visualize it and literally I visualize this like a template sort of tattooed into my own mind, which is very simple. There are four quadrants, and those four quadrants are what do I think? What do I feel? What do I want? And finally, what do I need? Now, in working with a lot of people over the years, I've learned, and and everyone will relate to this, some people just naturally are really more in touch with their thoughts than they are with their feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some vice versa. They could talk till the cows come home about their feelings, but try to get them to put an articulate thought together is pretty challenging. Yeah. So it's a bit like going to the gym and doing just one exercise that you're already good at. It's like, okay, we know we're good at that. If I'm already good at articulating my thoughts, how good am I at articulating my feelings? How good am I at putting a little bit of emotional skin in the game? Hey, partner or hey, colleague. Now, remember in a business situation, this emotional sharing, this part of the the template of course, would need to be judged on a case-by-case basis. It might not be appropriate to unpack my deepest, darkest feelings if I'm in a professional context. It just depends on the circumstance, right? But as a basic default, and ideally, this is called being human. I'm going to be having some emotions about this issue between us. There you go. Yeah. I think that's the golden nugget of this whole conversation. It's, my goodness, you know, you've got to allow yourself to be human. This is a rally. This is not a Ferrari track where someone comes and picks up the lints. You have a perfect drive in every cycle of your life and every lap that you do. This is a new lap with new conditions and all terrains. And what we do is our ego states tend to get in the way. So I think that quadrant, that think, feel, want, and needs, and I'll put that on the show notes. I'll draw it up for you is really looking at where the gaps are because what happens, Pamela, that I notice is it's very easy, especially in masculine energy, to do a lot of things for other people or be of acts of service. And and by doing and being in sense of duty is almost ticking an emotional connection box, whereas that other partner or or even in a creative relationship might want more of an emotional connection. So some but it's if you've never actually accessed how to do that in a healthy way, you tend to do a lot of things and create a lot of stuff and you defer when the real time is to sit down and go, 
this is how I think, this is how I feel, this is what I want. And then a lot of people get stuck because they've never actually thought about what they want versus what they need. Two different things. Now, the what I want, I think, is the most important quadrant here. Mm -hmm. Because what most couples do or um, partners do is, as I say, serve to their strong point, whether it's telling you all about my opinions or whether it's telling you all about how I feel, right? All of that's fine. I'm not bagging it. I'm just saying that is only a portion of the data that can potentially go on the table. And the more, the better. The more data, the better, from my point of view, because we are wanting to connect as humans. So the the better I can get at reaching in and getting all this, then the better we're going to be able to connect as humans. Now, I used to teach it as if these four quadrants were roughly kind of similar in terms of their importance, but now I draw that template with the wants category disproportionately higher. Uh Because if you think about it, Nikki, if you're my colleague or boss or, or employee or partner and we are facing some kind of difference of opinion or issue, it's fine for me to tell you what's on my mind It's really important for me to put a bit of emotional skin in the game and tell you how this is affecting me. But it's way more important, perhaps, for me to paint a picture that shows you where I hope we will go. Uh That kind of justifies the whole point of us having this conversation about the issue in the first place. Of course, when people don't do this, they get stuck in the past. Yeah, so true. And be, yeah. Negotiating deals. Yeah, totally. It's very much like negotiating deals. We're, we're sharing all this data, but why are we? We keep toggling back to, oh, it's because this is our end goal. This is what we're wanting to manifest together. Mm-hmm. And this whole conversation is about helping us generate the data we need to manifest So that category of what I want from you, and remember, I could be really sure what I want from you. I want you to call me when you're running late so I don't worry about you, right? Or I might be much more conscious about what I absolutely don't want Mm -hmm. for you, for me, or for us. Partner, I don't want us to build a relationship culture where, you know, every time there's a problem, I go to the shed and you rant and rave at me. I don't want that partner. So I'm now manifesting or painting a picture of where I hope this conversation will lead us. That last category, the needs, as I said earlier, don't make the mistake of assuming that there's no point sharing any of my data if I don't have a really articulate targeted need, right? That's a big, very common rookie error, a common one that the guys do as well because guys like to have solutions, right? Sometimes in relationships we don't have solutions. So that last category of needs could literally sound like this. So I don't really know what I need from you, but at least I just wanted to share what's been happening, you know, on my side of the fence, full stop. Or it could be really targeted. So what I'd like, you know, what I need you to do is check the, you know, when your holidays are and what the dates are or whether that place is open or whatever. It could be completely tangible or it could be completely intangible. It's just about showing up and sharing what's going on for you. And also I think 
taking the time out to actually consider what you want to need and knowing that, you know, it, it is like you might find a middle ground, but at least you know where the other person's sitting. Now that comes back in full circle to what this whole message is about and what I like to coach on, Pamela, is this extreme accountability, which is a big topic with Jocko's podcast and everything else around the Marine Corps, but that's what we're being called to. You can't sit in your life and be miserable if you're not prepared to think about what you really want. And then when you start to do that, please don't panic because one, the, the lights on the runway will light up one row at a time. And we're often taught that we have to have everything sorted out like dominoes. But really what Pamela and I are saying in this podcast is understanding that thing feels something feels deeply out of alignment is the first step recognizing your consistent or most likely chain of pattern of communication, whether it's passive or aggressive or a bit of both and how you intercycle that with your partner and that pattern that has just cultivated itself through a subconscious, you know, habit and then sitting down and taking time out for yourself in your own space to do the quadrant, the think, feel, want and needs quadrant. And then knowing that when you bring that to your partner or your colleague or whoever, you're just coming with, hey, this is where I'm coming from. It is not a finite, you're not going to be, there's not a, a dagger in that piece of paper like, you know, the 1900s and you have to duel for it. And I think, mm -hmm. so what we'd like to teach you in this podcast is understanding the self-awareness that something isn't healthy, recognizing where maybe you have been coming from as a routine pattern and being willing and curious enough to grow and evolve is all you need for the journey of success and then engaging with someone like Pamela or anything else to practice assertiveness, proactiveness, and that comes with knowing thyself. And often in relationships, people say they lose themselves because they never put time into getting to know themselves. And that's the greatest thing you can do for yourself and your partner in business and in life is figure that out. Beautiful. Beautifully said. I love you saying don't panic. Don't panic. There is no need to panic. This is a second-by-second second process of just cultivating that relationship with myself. What is my data telling me? How am I responding to what is coming at me? And how can I show up and express that in a way that is not defaulting to you or railroading you? If you think about it, it would be a panic move for me to either go into passive and yep. disappear or into aggressive and get on the front foot. Those are moves that are motivated by a panic kind of place. I think what would be a really great tool is how can someone, they've downloaded enough stuff, they've done their quadrant, they've checked in and they're ready. You know, like, I want to try this out. How mm. do we broach and set the scene? What is an opening statement to say, listen, I'd like to try something different. I'm learning about a, a different style of communication, et cetera. So what are two simple scripts that we can give someone to begin this conversation with a significant other person? Beautiful. Well, I would say let's use the cheat sheet, the template, in order to inform what we would say to a partner. So I will go through that in step because I find it does work better this way. A thought, a feeling, a want, and a need. Or plural. Hey, partner, I've realized that sometimes when we communicate, it doesn't work very well. There's my thought. I feel, what do I feel about that? I feel frustrated about that sometimes. Yeah, 
I feel worried about that because it feels like we're going to grow apart. There's some feelings, right? I could put a somatic feeling in the mix. I feel a knot in my stomach when we're having those conversations because they just don't feel right to me. Okay, there's a thought, there's a couple of feelings. Then we go to that third quadrant, what do I want? Partner, what I really want is for us to learn to communicate really, really well together. Or I could flip that and say what I really don't want is to continue in this relationship with us going off track the way we have been recently. Okay, now I'm painting that picture. And now we get to the need, which in this instant is quite targeted and explicit, which is so partner in light of that, what I'd really you know, need from you is to try this new way of communicating with me. Yeah, exactly. You'll, no- you'll notice that initially I'm actually going to have my piece of paper here with me and I'm going to refer to it. This is what I tell clients to do. None of us learn a new skill like that. We need to practice and we need to be completely unapologetic about turning to a partner and saying, hey, I want to try this new way. I want to get my communication better. Bear with me. I'll probably refer to this cheat sheet for the first few times we do it. This is how we learn. And what and remember, we the, uh, just one more thing about that. The other way we can learn is with a retrospective lens. Mm -hmm. So last night, my partner and I, we got off track. We had some difference of his opinion. It all went a bit pear-shaped. I'm going to sit down now for 15 minutes with this template and just kind of play it through again. If I could rewind time, what might I have said differently that might have been more aligned with this proactive, assertive approach as opposed to perhaps what moves I made last night. This is how we learn. It's a really valid way to learn, to kind of go over things that we didn't do perfectly. And what do we do with aggressive people or passive? You know, this, I think there's nothing worse than passive-aggressive. That, to me, is the deepest form of emotional manipulation because you don't know what you're going to get. And, you're, and so I would say... Yes, this is not gender specific, but I certainly have a lot of empathy in relationships where people just have lost all their confidence. They've been held back or submissive for many, many years. So to, to come out with this new toolkit actually starts hell palpitations. It's actually, so giving you the courage, I think if you're in that position where you like what we're saying and you would love to give it a go, Pamela, what are there some tools online or can they go to your website or is there a book that you would reference just to get a little bit more depth in this so they can build some confidence in this approach? Mm, great question because at the moment I'm actually working on resources that people will be able to access on this. Fabulous. But for now, I think you and I, I'm happy to share with you my template that I use with clients and you could pop that up on your website mm-hmm. if that great. works for you. I think there's a few thoughts. All change is scary, particularly when it relates to our intimate relationships. So there's a whole piece there around how do I hold space for myself when I'm in a scary situation, you know? And for me, abdominal or diaphragmatic breathing would be first cab off the rank there. So knowing how to ground ourselves, knowing how to soothe ourselves, knowing how to feel the fear, but still prioritise what is important to me. and If a relationship, if a really healthy, good, happy, harmonious relationship is my highest priority, then that is a pretty good motivation to deal with that fear or anxiety about doing something differently. The other thing, the other tool that really is helpful here 
is when we start finding this voice and showing up and sharing our data, I didn't explicitly say it before, but it's important. I need to be speaking for self uh-huh. because the rookie error here is I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to find my, uh, my bravery and my voice and I'm going to say what's on my mind and share my feelings and la, la, la. We've all done that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to reach over the boundary fence, if you like, and start telling you how, how this should be for you. Now, that's a pretty good recipe to invite some kickback and fair enough. So, and I would say that the more nervous and scared I am, the more potentially inflammatory my partner or whoever it's going to be might, might respond to what I'm going to say, the more impeccably I have to only speak for self. I am thinking X, Y, Z, I am feeling A, B, C, and so on and so on, is a really important tool for building that confidence that I can show up. Because otherwise I'm really on shaky ground trying to straddle two realities. One's hard enough. Yeah, exactly. And the unknown one is often more difficult because that sense of fear is from an ego state, which is better the devil you know than the devil you don't. It's a very dangerous place to stay in. So we really, you know, if you're listening to this today and it's sparked your interest, it resonates in some way, the first step is the willingness to go, there is always a solution. Just because you've done things for your whole entire life based on a certain pattern doesn't mean that you're not given permission to evolve, to become a more intellectually connected, emotionally connected, physically aware person to be in your best sovereign self. And that's what these tools are about is if you can approach your journey in life and relationships with curiosity, then I read a a quote, it was from Jane Fonda, it was many years ago. I think I read it when I was 12. And she says that people stay in love when they can grow together. You know, even if it's a business partnership, you stay in love with your business when you can continually evolve. The moment you stop evolving is when things disintegrate. There's no fertilizer on the garden. So if you are finding that you're stuck and that this resonates with you, I think Pamela and I both say the same thing. Give it a go. There are resources available. We'll put the links down. You can also... I know Pamela's fully booked at the moment. I don't know when you're listening to this if she will be, so I'll put her links on the site. But you want to be grounded, you want to go slow, and you also want to give yourself a real pat on the back to say anything is possible. And when you can replace that fear, that ego with curiosity, the courage and conviction that comes from one step at a time will start building the blocks for a solid future. So that's all you need to do is start. Beautiful advice. And Pamela, I know I really wanted to talk to you about emotional flooding and states of the ego, but I, I think we should do that as a separate uh, mm. episode together because it's so, it's so relevant for now, but it's so relevant for so many. It's definitely a topic in its own right. It usually is a one-two combination with this topic we've just discussed absolutely. today. So I absolutely would love to just come back another time and just just talk a little bit more about what we mean by emotional flooding and, and some, some tips and kind of tools for how, how to navigate that well to keep our relationships protected from that. Yeah, that's so beautiful. So I want to thank Pamela Panifax from Sunshine Holistic Counseling.com.au. Uh, you can reach out to Pamela. I will put Links below, she'll be providing the four quadrant model on think, feel, wants and needs for you to download and write or just take a sheet of paper. We want you to think about mental reframing 
I'd say avoid the word conflict and replace it with peaceful confidence, you know, and if you're in your own sovereign self and you come from that place of security, the first work that needs to be done is building your own sense of self, their own sense of that you are worth it, you deserve it. And that it might take its own time to build up before you can go and approach another person. But there are tools out there and the integrated data, I always talk about this, we are multifaceted beings. And so long we have operated on one or two dimensions and it's not really enough. You know, we can go so much deeper and it's safe to do that. So use this opportunity that you have where you're out of alignment to grow closer to who you are, to have self-awareness before you even worry about someone else's needs. Are you addressing your own oxygen mask first, please? Very, very important. There are great resources available. Pamela is a shining example of a highly educated, experienced and no BS counsellor. That's why I love her so much. And we'll be coming back on the show to talk about emotional flooding, triggers and responses, the physiological aspects of that and rookie errors in that. But I would like to recap, this has been about your three styles of communication, understanding where you're coming from, passive, aggressive, passive, aggressive, and moving into that proactive state of these are my needs, wants, and feelings. This is how I feel and learning to communicate with clarity and conviction. So Pamela, thank you so much. I'm just a pleasure as always. And we're lucky we live on the coast and we can enjoy beautiful weather any time of the year. Thank you for being on the show. One last quote just to leave everybody is, do you have a personal mantra or a statement that someone could take away from this today? Wow, wow, wow. Beautiful, beautiful question. Look, I have personal mantras that change almost on a daily basis. But I think in essence, what we're talking about here is when you want to take a relationship seriously, regardless of what context that's in, the workplace or or your intimate life, when you want that relationship to really thrive, my mantra is turn up, show up. And that is very scary at times, but it is the way through. It is the opportunity for growing, not only as an individual, but also within that partnership or relationship. So the mantra would be check in with myself, catch myself if I'm retreating or if I'm getting on the front foot and and being aggressive and just show up with my own truth, my own self-awareness, speak for self and then let the recipient follow suit and see where we'll go. We'll end up in a far different place to what will, will happen if I don't show up in that authentic way. That's right. So suit up, guys. Life is a rally. It's not a Formula One track. You're going to have many, many laps. And we encourage you to get ready for all conditions and remember that you got this, you know, and there are people, places and things that are there to support you through this journey. But most of all, I encourage you to have intelligent, calm and grounded advice and to be patient. You can't just flick a switch with years of subconscious behavior. So I look forward to having Pamela back on the show. This was about the three stars of communication. I am your host for today, the Mojo Maker Show on iTunes, Spotify, and every other podcast platform you can think of. As well, come across to Vitality Coach TV on YouTube, like and subscribe, hit the notification bell. We'd love your review on iTunes. And thank you again for being part of this amazing family of leaders that are trying to do extraordinary things and walk your own side of the street. We have your back. Until next time, be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and thanks for tuning in.
Thanks for tuning in. As always, we'd love your review on iTunes, or you can jump online to thevitalitycoach.com.au. For more from Nikki, to sign up for the Monday Mojo and the Vitality Coach TV on YouTube.